As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hey everyone, I just wanted to share with you that on April 1st at 7.30pm Eastern Standard Time, I'll be giving a lecture at the Pine Bush UFO and Paranormal Museum. It's run by Lance Halwell, who also runs the Pine Bush UFO Festival, and it's going to be a night of introspection and intrigue regarding our personal experiences with the paranormal and why uh, I think it's quintessential to essentially the human existence because of the mythic thread that runs through all of these reports, whether it's ufological, cryptozoological, or uh, ghost hunting. Uh, there's a metaphysical aspect that I think touches all of us, and we all have our personal stories, and I will share with you more about myself, and I will break down some cases as to why I believe the paranormal pursuits are important and essential to um, our very lives and we will actually have literal coffee and ufo talk so hopefully i'll see you there uh, it'll be a fun gallery uh, style night or hanging out in the parlor and uh, we'll get some power community together so if you're in the area and you can drive up next friday april 1st at 7 30 p.m in pine bush new york i will see you there in the meantime stay strange and live in the mystery and stones were getting, like, thrown at us. And they'd be bouncing, they'd be bouncing. And it's like, what's mm -hmm. this? And it's weird because my camera and my night vision died at the same time. It was totally drained. And um, I looked up a hill, and was, there was, a set, it was like a tombstone. And it looked like something looked behind the tombstone. And all of a sudden, this thing got up. It was a little gray thing. And it, like, ran up the hill like a little child, like a five-year-old would run. I had this one guy call me on the middle of the night. I have, I have Bigfoot on my, my lawn. What do I do? If you like today's content, please like, subscribe, comment down below. And of course, you can find the video interview on youtube.com slash paranormalpop. Welcome to this edition of Coffee and UFOs. I'm Alan B. Smith. My guest today is the founder of the Seekers Club of the Paranormal, Anthony Simonelli. Anthony, welcome to Coffee and UFOs. Hi, how you doing? Good, brother. Cheers. This is great. Yeah. Got my Alcatraz uh, cup ready. How appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> is, is the coffee as hard, hardened as uh, Alcatraz? Well, it's black with no sugar. And it's dark roasted, so. That's how we roll. All right, perfect. That's the only way. That's the only <laughs> way you drink coffee. It is. It is. Yeah, my Especially if you're up all night doing investigations, hey, that's one thing keeps you going. Yeah. 
I think it keeps you going better too because you don't when you have sugar, sugar gives you a spike and then it comes back mm-hmm. down. Whereas if you're sticking you with coffee, exactly. Um, my sister introduced me to black coffee many a year ago, so I learned to also just appreciate, you know, the flavor of coffee too. Um, yeah, that's the you miss it on because you dilute it with milk, cream, and everything else, sugar. I just like I just like have a cup and taste the coffee. Yeah, although. Yeah. I do have a weakness uh, during the summer, at least a couple of times a year, I'll get a coffee culotta from, from Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> <laughs> That's my guilty coffee blender. Yeah. Uh, so Anthony, have you ever seen a UFO? Um, when I was, well, when I, in like 1974, I was young then, mm-hmm. but um, I, I was living in Glendale, Glendale, New York. Um, it's Queens. And um, my mother gave me money to, ice, money to go get some Italian ices at the pizza place down the block. So you go mm-hmm. running down the block and get my ice. As I'm coming out of the pizza place because the pizza place is like it's on the avenue when I was on one of the side streets. So when you came out of the pizza place, you could overlook my block. And I come out and I see a big light like going slowly up my block. So you think it's a helicopter or something, but there's no sound. So I was like, what, what is that? It's, that's crazy. And in the summer, 1974, everybody hung out on a stoop. You know, you don't know what stoop is. That's the steps in front of your house. So everybody hung out on the stoop. So, I mean, the whole block back in 74, nobody had air conditioning and everything. Everybody had fans and stuff. So everybody was out that night. It was a summer night. I think it was August, something like that. And, um, so I see this light going down the block and it was like going down slowly scanning like the block. So I was, I was curious. Um, but I was like, well, what is that? So I ran up to the corner, uh, where all my friends were and they were hanging out and everybody saw it. Well, what was that? Wow. What was that? That was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, so we talked about that night and nobody knew it was, I mean, how we see a UFO. So, the next day, everybody that got um, that was on the block that was that had the light on them, um, nobody remembered it. Nobody remembered any of it, except for my brother that was coming out of the house, and he was very young. My brother's five years younger than me, and he was coming out of the house as the thing already passed, so the light didn't hit him. So I was like, "What is this?" And I never talked about it. Years I never talked about it because, you know, what I mean. I, I do paranormal, you know, ghosts and stuff like that. And I know how people react to that. So if I'm going to say I see ghosts and I, I seen something like that, you know, uh, they will crazy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in the seventies, eighties, nineties, when they, well, none of this was really accepted. So, yeah. um, ended up that, um, years, years later, uh, I, cause I didn't even know about my brother coming out of the house at that time. And, mm-hmm. He brought it up, and I was like, we were talking about it. I was like, yeah, I, I remember that and stuff like that, but nobody else remembered it. I mean, our parents, my grandparents, everybody was outside. Nobody remembered it the next day or later on that night. So mm-hmm. we, it's like we were the only two that didn't – the light didn't hit us. Then um, – like, I, I didn't bring this up for years. Yes, I think I brought it up when I started going to the UFO museum. I, I told Lance about it. Pine Bush, New York. Yeah. Yes. And, um, and he was like, that sounds like something. You, you sure there was no sound? I said, no, no, there was no sound. So that's, um, actually, I guess seeing, uh, physical something. I, I didn't see, all I seen was a light, like, and it was a little weird because it looked like a, like a scanning up my block slowly and then disappearing on the corner of my block is a cemetery. Um, Glendale, if you know, Glendale is surrounded by nine cemeteries. That's how I got really involved with the paranormal too. Um, it's involved by it was it's surrounded by nine cemeteries. So this mm-hmm. thing like disappeared in the cemetery and just ended. It, um, you can see a light in the cemetery just dimming as it was just going. So it was interesting. So I'm assuming that was something. But why do you think other people you know, didn't remember it? I have no idea. I have no idea. It seemed like maybe I don't know. Maybe people. I don't know, back then, maybe people didn't want to remember it, too, because it was a taboo type of conversation. Or maybe whatever was going up the block, scanning, maybe that's what uh, 
made him lose their memory if the light hit him or something. In effect. So, yeah, almost like uh, you evaded the, the direct contact, um, whatever mm-hmm. that was, through the light. That's really interesting. Um, and you founded your Paranormal Seekers Club, Seekers Club of the Paranormal in 96, you said. Uh, yeah. Why, why did you start the club in the first place? Well, I was going out way, way, way before that. I've been experiencing um, shadow people and since I was about three, four years old in Brooklyn when I was living there. Um, and as I got older, it just increased, uh, start seeing and hearing and um, being touched and woken at nighttime. So um, I, I started going out, I was, I was 13 years old, I see my first full body aberration. And I started going out by myself with dowsing rods that I made out old coat hangers, old wire hangers, remember those things? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and the compass that I had from Boy Scouts because compass has the EMF on it. So, um, I went out with that and a 35 millimeter camera and I used to go out night times by myself because I didn't want people to see me during the day. Cause like I said, I had that stigma against me, uh, that he was a nut that seen ghost. Yeah. yeah. So, and, yeah. So that's how I started. Do you go out now, um, during the daytime or you still stay to the night? Um, I, spirits are around all the time. So I, I will go during the day. Um, I will visit old cemetery. I know people say, oh, why would they stay in the cemetery? But sometimes I feel spirits stay with their vessel, which is your body. You know, they might stay there. Maybe that's their home base. I don't know when they go out, wherever they're going to go. But, um, yeah, I go during the day. I go to old cemeteries. Um, I go to abandoned buildings, which I have to, I had Kings Park, um, it's Kings Park. This is the old psycho, psycho, um, psychiatric hospital that's in Kings Park, New York. That's an abandoned buildings. Um, I've been there. I've been, you know, daytime, nighttime. Majority of the time we go night. When we go with a team, we usually go nights. But you, you go get spirit any time. Why do paranormal researchers tend to go at night? Well, um, I feel that at nighttime, it's more of the the um, people feel that the spirits are out more out at night. There's all these stigmas that are out there saying that, you know, like ghosts are always out in the dark. And I, I believe it's a lot of TV <laughs> that mm-hmm. tells these people what to do. Um, you know, but at nighttime, it also, what's good about night, it's quieter, less contamination mm-hmm. when you go at nighttime. Um, spirits do come out and some spirits have certain times. I mean, I, I've been to different locations. Sometimes at at certain locations you go to at three o'clock in the morning, it's the busiest three to five, Uh, you get all the stuff and then you get stuff throughout the night and stuff that uh, before that, after, but you get a lot of activity at those times. Um, sometimes, uh, certain locations, the Shanley hotel, I always get stuff between four to five o'clock in the morning, the busiest, um, Hingedale. I, I mean, I got stuff there from three to, to six when the sun comes up, you know, it's some, some places have different, um, times. I mean, and you can't get stuff during the day. And I have, I have, I mean, EVPs and stuff like that and stuff moving and it, it's, it's in, very interesting, you know, but you think that- it doesn't, there's no time limits. Yeah. Do you think that ghosts perhaps, um, like the quiet for some reason, you know, at, at that time in the morning, maybe you have some birds starting to chirp a little bit, but um, for the most part, you're right. Traffic is low. Um, human activity is low. Uh, transmissions are low. Mm-hmm. So, and I, I wonder, do, do you think that they need peace? Um, even, even though they are not quote unquote, you know, resting in peace yet. Um. I don't think that's always, I don't think that's the issue. I think because they need people around sometimes because that's the energy. They'll tell your energy to manifest or to be able to move something. So mm-hmm. they need the energy. If it's not the person's energy, it's their equipment, um, lights, cameras, whatever they might have on them, but they need energy. So the more people, if there's places like, uh, like theaters, that have a lot of activity because it's 
a lot of people there all the time. They take the energy of people. Um, you know, certain places, even a house. Where's the most in a house? What's the most thing, used thing in the house? It's your staircase. Mm-hmm. People always going up and down, up and down. So the energy that people leave behind is what manifests them on in those areas. So they need the they need people around to you know for the energy to help them manifest and to uh, make themselves known. So, Have you ever a cryptid? Did I ever cryptid? Um, no. No. Okay. <laughs> well, I guess in, in in Queens, it's not like there are that many crypt cryptids running around. Yeah, I mean, well, you know something. At one of the investigations I went to, it was, and this is weird, and um, I guess maybe that is cryptic. <laughs> because when I go out, I get I see a lot of stuff, and then I forget, and then I remember, because <laughs> I've been doing this for thirty, thirty, almost forty years. Yeah. Um, I went to this place. It was in Amityville. It was a cemetery. One of the guys. Um, this guy Jim took me to, and mm-hmm. people invite me on investigations with them. So I went on this, and we were in this old cemetery. It was like um, Revolutionary War soldiers there, and all the stuff. It was an old, old cemetery, and there was a big factory built in front of it, and it was uh, it was like in a a public area, but it was like thrown in the back, and everything was built around it. Yeah. And we were in this place, and stuffs getting, and stones were getting like thrown at us and they'd be bouncing, they'd be bouncing. And it's like, what's mm-hmm. this? It's like, oh, that, that's kind of odd. And I said, maybe spirits. I, I don't know. Um, so we started walking around and towards the end of the night, all my, and it's weird because my camera and my night vision died at the same time. It was totally drained. Mm-hmm. And um, I looked up a hill and there's, and um, there was, it was like a tombstone and look like something looked behind the tombstone. So right away, I think of spirits and all of a sudden this thing got up. It was a little gray thing. And it like ran up the hill, like a little child, like a five-year-old would run. And I was, I was like, and I said, anybody see that? Everybody swung the cameras and everything, but it was, it ran so fast up the hill into the, the, um, what do you call the, uh, the woods that were right there that, I'm like, what was that? And I, I didn't get it on film or anything, but I, I did see this little creature running up the hill. And it was yeah. it was like the size of a five-year-old. And it ran like up the hill like like a five-year-old run. Did it remind you at all of a gray alien or is this something different? I, you know something? I thought it more looked like, like it had a grayish hair on it. But really couldn't tell exactly because it, it was running and um, it's very dark. You know, it's a cemetery and the light just went by. So it, it, it could have been maybe it was a little alien. Maybe it was a gray. I don't know. Um, but it looked like it had hair on it. So I, I was thinking I was right away. Well, I seen a little book, baby Bigfoot or something, uh, you know, uh, I'm from Queens. What do I know? I see rats the size of dogs. I, <laughs> Yeah, you know, those you know are my that, cryptics. Exactly. You know that video with the rat dragging the pizza in a subway? That That's still making rounds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I've seen that down there. I've seen that mean plenty oh. of things. I, I worked, I'm, an, I'm a retired electrician, and I work the subways. And you see rats, like, really. I, I see them pull big garbage bags off a of, off of platform, so. Yeah. Oh, there's all kinds of, of creatures, uh, including the human variety as well. Uh, yeah. There's an account that I follow. I, I can't remember the name off the top of my. I think it's called um, "Creatures of the Subway" or you know, "Subway Creatures," something like that. It's a it's a really mm-hmm. great account. Um, but yeah, I mean, we we lived there for uh, I guess over 15 years, and um, you see a lot of strange things, but usually it's human induced. Um, in in cities, is there a difference when you're investigating a haunted site in a highly populated area uh, versus a haunted site in a, a more desolate uh, area? Um, do you are there any changes in the pattern of how you pick things up? The frequency of, of whether um, something shows up on on a, a you know as an EVP or not? 
Well, in the city, where is the busy areas? You just have to um, know your environment, know what's around you, know what can contaminate your stuff. Because if you do EVPs and you're on a uh, in an area that has somebody talking as they walk by or traffic or something, you got to know your how to really pick up an EVP from that. You know, a, a disembodied voice, or um, because uh, if you hear a voice and you're doing <laughs> when you do reviews sometimes you're listening to hours and hours of nothing all of a sudden you hear that little voice like hi you're like wow this is cool look i got something i got something and then you you're like wait a minute that was the pizza play that pizza man that just came and dropped over a couple of pies you know mm-hmm. you have to know your environment you have to know where you are and there is a way to listen to certain on EVPs, I mean, if you're in an area that could contaminate with a lot of, a lot of traffic, mm-hmm. I'm not just saying traffic cars-wise, I'm talking about people also, you have to know, if something, if you're in an area and you're by yourself and something's like really loud on close to your microphone on your recorders, that's possibly something, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you get something in the distance, you, you try to try to, you know, you don't want to prove it false, but you have to because you don't know if it's somebody just walking in or, you know, up and downstairs or something like that. Yeah, so I you guess have to I know just, your environment. Right. In some instances like that, you probably have to put it in what Stanton Friedman would call his gray basket um, because he can't really prove one way or the other, whether it was yeah. human induced or, or otherwise. Um, mm-hmm. Do you think in those kind of situations going in with an SLS, you know, motion detector is a better option than an audio recording. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Because if, if, if there's a lot of contamination, like you said, maybe an SLS would be a better tool. Mm-hmm. Um, SLS, well, SLS is a different type of tool because you, mm-hmm. you do get recording, but it's not the same as if you're listening for um, – See, I'm I'm a big video person. I do all, I do all my stuff on video. I got night vision cameras. I got all kinds of stuff because I feel on video, I get the audio and the and the picture at the same time, and mm-hmm. you can see who's in your room, who's in in that area. If somebody's whispering, because I had that happened a couple of times. We had like these great EVPs. We listen to them record. It's like this is great, and then I look at it on the video. I'm like, that's so and so exiting this one you know, something, and they're whispering. So um, SLS is a great, great tool to have. Um, but if you want to get EVPs or some, you should stick with a certain, you know, that's why they're recording um, audio on the, the you're recording, you know, you get yourself a nice recorder. You know, that's, that's better. But it, SLS, don't get me wrong, that is good. That's a great thing. But it can be um, a lot of people, I see it on TV all the time. Um, everything is, it's mapping out it's something there. It's not, it's, it's, it's mapping out something that looks like a figure to that. That's what, that's what an SLS is. It actually maps out anything that might have, you know, they're looking for a head. They're looking for shoulders. They're, they're looking for a torso to map out. So if yeah. you walk in there, I mean, I went to one place and I had them all, it's like I walk in the room like, and it's all black, the, the, all the lights are off, and it's mapping out, and it looks like the room's full of people. Turn the lights on. It was those, you know those, um, the umbrellas they put in the middle of picnic tables? Mm-hmm. And they pull up? Mm-hmm. 
way it was, it had a thing on the top, and it looked like shoulders on the SLS camera. So you have to know, every piece of tool that we use, you have to know how to um, get a false positives because all of it can be debunked in ways. I've seen some videos um, where the SLS had this kind of human figure shape. Um, mm -hmm. And in response to questions from the investigators, it seemed to move. So it kept its shape, but moved mm -hmm. across. So obviously, like an umbrella, that's stationary. That that wouldn't occur. Um, yeah. In case, do you think it's just the software picking up different, you know, angles or depth in the room and trying to work that out somehow, or do you, do you think in a case like that, that maybe there really is something it's picking up? Mm -hmm. So something like that, I would have to look at and see because um, SLS also picks up your reflection. It can pick up a shadow. If somebody's in a room and there's a shadow against the wall, that SLS will pick up that and start mapping out, throwing a head and arms on it. Um, mm -hmm. If I go, if you're um, in an area with like a, a wall that has some sign of shine that, and it, it reflects you, your your reflects your your um, reflects, you know, your body, whatever, it will mm -hmm. map it out. A mirror, it will map out. It, I mean, it ha has to, that's why you have to watch a window. If you go past a window, it can map, you know. But if you know you, your environment, that's, that's one thing I always say. You have to know your environment because that's what, how you get the true um, evidence from, have you, seen, you know. Have you seen SLSs that are really convincing to you? Oh, Yeah. You, yeah. you got my website and my um, YouTube thing. I got a couple on there. Shanley, I had, um, we were up in the Shanley and uh, there's a room in the Shanley Hotel on the third floor and it's the kids' room. And there's a kid, Jonathan, that's supposed to be in that room. The Jonathan um, is a boy that actually, he died in a hotel. So we're in there. And we were in the room next to it was Joe's room. Joe was a hitman that was that's part of that hotel too. And we were in Joe's room, and somebody had a music box that had a sensor on it in in the kids' room, and it started going off. Nobody was in the room, so we stayed outside the room, and like, and so we we swung the SLS camera, and I had my camera, and I had one of my friends with my SLS swing it there, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden. If something popped up, it looked like like a kid like would jump around and roll on the floor and everything. So we're like, "Oh, giant! That's cool. That's thank you." And there was nothing in that room that it could be mapped. You could hear me say it. I said, "There's nothing there that you can map, map out." Uh, which one of these videos? Um, um the Shanley Hotel. You heard sensor music box started playing in a room, rumored to be haunted mm -hmm. by a spirit of children named Jonathan. He ran over in the parking lot. Okay. Describe the SLS a little bit here. What it is. Okay, that's, that's the hotel. That, that's that's inside of the hotel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. Um, so, you know, is this... What was in the background that I couldn't see? Or was there literally nothing back there? In that room there? There's, mm -hmm. the, in that room, there's, um, it's empty. It's pretty much, a, 
empty room except for a couple of toys on the floor. And it was like a, a bed over the side that you wouldn't be able to see on that, that angle of that camera anyway. Because um, I do have that on the, my night vision camera, all that other stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a, it's a room. We're, it's like two rooms next to each other. We're mm -hmm. on this room on this side, and that's the doorway. You're looking in the doorway of the other room, and we're outside. There's nobody in that room to map. There's nothing that's reflective in that room to map. And that pops up, you know. And we thought it was pretty cool because the music box went off right before that. Okay, yeah. You know? And so what, the 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 stick figure that shows up on the SLS, and for those who aren't sure what the SLS is, it was originally designed for um, motion detecting for games. Um, so, you know, it's looking for the human figure. So you, the stick figure looks like a head. You've got like the shoulders, the hands, the elbows, knees, feet, um, like little dots, and then these stick figure lines connecting it. When did it, was it there before you started talking to, to, to Jonathan or did it come after you, you began that interaction? Uh, it started, well, like I said, we heard the, the music and we, we swung the cameras that way, like what we mm -hmm. usually do. And we started saying, it's Jonathan, is that you? And you, you hear everything in the video. And Jonathan, is that you? And then all of a sudden he popped up. And then he popped up. Then he popped up. That, and um, yeah. yeah, so he kind of announced himself, you know, yes, I'm here. Look, I'm dancing for you. Like, yeah. a, like a kid would do for you. And that's the thing is, is if you can get enough video like that, because for, for me, if you are making the effort to uh, create a reaction and you get a reaction that coincides with your request, then if you get enough of those on camera, that seems to me like it, you could lead up to like really solid empirical evidence. Um, what what do you think is required to to convince a skeptic, not a debunker, but a a skeptic, you know, a healthy skeptic? How many videos like this do you think they need to see? Um, what what would they pick apart about a video like this? Um, a skeptic. Um, I know quite a few skeptics, uh, and um, I don't think you're ever going to convince a real skeptic. Because they always have that behind their mind. Oh, there's something, there's something there. Um, mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how many videos you give them. Uh, I, I don't think on every, unless something happens to them physically or mentally or whatever, they're not going to believe. Skept mm -hmm. I mean, I, like I said, I came across a lot of skeptics. And I, I'm not trying to prove to skeptics or anybody that that's something. I'm giving it a, People, open-minded, want to look at it and say, wow, that's cool. Oh, there's something there. There's actually something there. So to be a skeptic, I mean, they would have to actually physically something have something happen to them that changed their life. Because I, I came across a couple of skeptics, and I could show them. I, I, I could show them a picture of Bigfoot shaking my hand, and they'll say, oh, that's, you know. It, it, they they'll it's, never believe anything. Sure, um, and I'll put the link for that video and for your channel in the show description and the comments as well um, during the mm -hmm. premiere. So, uh, you know, you you and I met at Pine Bush, uh, New York, during the Pine Bush mm -hmm. uh, UFO fair, which has become you know a bigger and bigger event every year in the Hudson yeah. Valley. Uh, yeah, it, the Hudson Valley really is a, a hot spot. It seems. Uh, particularly the Pine Bush, Bush area. Now, some people say it's like geomagnetic energy that kind of feeds the, the these phenomena. Um, I'm not sure about that because geomagnetic energy, let's just say that's energy that a ghost could feed off of. I don't know how mm -hmm. that necessarily applies, if that's true, to a cryptid or to you know the, the number of UFO sightings that have happened over the decades here. Um. I because there's a lot of things with spirit with with ghosts and UFOs and and uh, crypt, you know cryptics. They they all seem to be like in like in certain areas. Uh, well, you're not going to get cryptid at, at the Shanley Hotel, you know. What I'm saying? <laughs> mm -hmm. 
Um, no Bigfoot's going to look there. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, they, maybe he's been there already. Who knows? You know, it might be one of the guests. Um, you know, shave him down a little bit. <laughs> but um, they usually go hand in hand. They, they, there's, there's theories that they always go hand in hand. And I feel maybe it's possible because of what the Earth's giving off. And remember, if you're some kind of cryptic, animals in life, you know, when a bird flies south for the winter, it's in them. It's there. It's drawn to them. That's their nature. That's what, you know, something's driving them down there. Maybe it's the, you know, whatever it is that drives them down there. Maybe something comes from the Earth. Maybe something to do with gravity. Maybe it has to do with something else. So maybe a cryptic might be in certain locations because of that. Maybe something drawn them to that location. Maybe they're, they're migrating to that location. Maybe they're in that location because of something from the earth. You know what I mean? Just a theory. You know, yeah, and, and aliens. Aliens also. Spirits. Uh, UFOs. Maybe they're all drawn to those areas because of something that the earth's giving off. You know? Yeah, that's an interesting analogy that there, there's a behavioral... Uh, pattern based on uh, earth changes, uh, magnetic lines, um, weather, maybe even climate. Um, and then a UFO, you know, I do wonder why are they, they tend to be drawn to these areas. Uh, and we're not talking about just little uh, lights in the sky. You know, mm -hmm. it's not Elmo's fire. We're, we're, we're talking about full-fledged shaped UFOs. That have been cited in this area. I mean, and there was a huge flap in 1975, and um, there was like you know a, several hundred people that saw a clearly defined UFO. Um, so this isn't some kind of natural uh, occurrence from from you know lightning striking and charging the atmosphere and um, in, you know a temperature inversion. There there are these physical craft that are coming to this area that people are, are seeing. Um, it seems to me, and maybe there's a parallel in your ghost investigations. It seems to me that the more cameras and technology we have, the more um, conspicuous, inconspicuous the UFOs become. Because my, my assertion is that they are aware that we have you know, lenses on the sky all the time now. Um, we have phones in our pocket. So if they don't want to be caught, they know, you know, what not to do. Uh, is there a parallel to that with, with ghost investigations? I feel there could be. Yeah. I mean, you have a cell phone who, who thought like 30 years ago, you, you'd be walking with a, with a, a phone with a camera, you know, on it, something has a camera on it. Uh, or different types of lenses, and these cameras on the cell phone, sometimes it's just as good as any other camera, you know, a regular camera. Now you got it on your side. So I feel that more stuff is going to start coming out, and and it has. You know, I watch some of these shows, and I'm like, that's interesting, you know, from UFO sightings to cryptics to spirits, what's coming out because the people have cameras. And now also cameras are affordable. People could afford cameras 30, 40 years ago. Cameras are a little expensive. That was like a luxury type of thing, you know? So I feel that with all this stuff is coming out, we're getting some good evidence. There's some good evidence coming out. And hopefully one day we, you know, be able to speak to an alien, speak to a ghost. And, you know, and also science has to catch up to us. So, and, and all different types, of, they, they don't believe in anything we do. We're all, we're all quacks and, you know, and it seems like when they do investigate, they do um, like the Midwest or something or whatever, there's like a sighting. They always give that one family that doesn't speak well and, you know, mm -hmm. not well educated. And they, they throw them out there and they say, hey, these are the quacks that are, and it's not true. You know, they, they seen something, but they're trying to make them look like a joke or make us and anything we do, a joke. Right. So I, I feel science is not catching, and I think it's got to do with science and religion. So, you know, I was just reading an article. I was reading an article uh, recently, and it wrapped up the article with essentially the UFO phenomena um, began really in really in 1947, 
at the Roswell crash. And and Mm -hmm. no, that's not true that the mainstream interest in it began uh, shortly afterwards. Um, but not even immediately afterwards. Uh, so that they they were wrong about that. Um, but that means that that just tells me that, that as a skeptic, they did not do the, the, their due diligence, um, and research the history and read, read books and articles, um, from that time. And the, and the fact that you think that the phenomena starts in 47, you, you've missed, you know, decades of sightings. And then of course, even, you know, far beyond that uh, throughout history mm-hmm. and ancient history. Um, yes. So, it, so when, when, when someone's talking to you about your ghost investigations and, and they third disbeliever, uh, do you just let it go or do you try to convince them? No, no, I feel, I mean, years ago I did try, you know, you get into debates with these people. Mm-hmm. I don't try to convince anybody anymore because I know what I see. I know what I do. People come up to me. They tell me a lot of stuff, you know, and they talk to me about UFOs. They talk to me about the cryptics. I have people calling. I had, I had this one guy call me in the middle of the night. I have, I have Bigfoot on my, my lawn. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Don't mistake. I don't know. You know? Yeah. Um, but you, I mean, I just lost my thought. <laughs> well, and I, I can relate to that to a degree because you know, I'm a, I'm a podcaster and oftentimes yeah. will, will email me about, you know, sightings or things mm-hmm. um, that they've seen and, and they want me to do something about it. But, you know, like, first of all, I'm, I'm very local. <laughs> I don't go mm-hmm. traveling around the country for these topics, but you know, I'm a podcaster. Mm-hmm. So that's not my thing, mm-hmm. but I think that sometimes people really, they just, they, they want help. You know, and they want they want answers. So I'll I'll just take their information and defer it to somebody else who I think might be able to help them or refer mm-hmm. them. You know, contact this person or that person. Um, so yeah. it's, it's good to have like like building for me now that I've moved outside of the, the city, um, building a community here in the Hudson Valley area. You know, all the way to New York City and back. You know, to have people know people um, because you need to have that that relationship. Um, between different uh, fields of study in within the paranormal, uh, because mm-hmm. they always brush up against each other in one way or another, which which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, out there, there's so many different people, and I know when I do a private investigation, and people, really, some of these people seem so desperate, and you go in there and. And all, all I do is go in there and say, listen, uh, you got something or I got this or play some evidence back for them. And that making them just hear that makes them so just makes them feel better that, you know, oh, somebody else is hearing it now, too. You know, and I have people, you know, thank me and stuff like that. OK, I refer them I, if they need more help. I got people to uh, help them. It's like a network, of, you know, yeah. people that. You know, if you're in it long enough and you get to know the right people and, you know, you can refer back and forth. So um, it's, 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 for me, it's very, um, it makes, it makes me happy that I could know I could go out there and help somebody, you know, you know, especially private locations. You know, when you do historic locations, they seem to want to keep their ghosts. That's how they get the money. (laughs) <laughs> it's true. When you do a private thing, they want they want it out. They want it out, or yeah. they they if it's not really bad, and they think it's their one of their family members, they they don't mind it being there. But they you give it uh, rules like you know you can't do this. You know like if if I'm sleeping at nighttime, don't wake me up. You know you know you give them their space, they give you your space, and sometimes sometimes it works out, sometimes it don't. Yeah. Like but, a like a room. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So your your room is the ghost, and then you just got to work out a schedule. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm taking a shower I, at this time. <laughs> uh, I had um, one of the women on my team, woman Linda, and her house had all kinds of stuff, but nothing really bad. And some of it was family. Some of it was um, some of it had followed her home because uh, she used to welcome a lot of stuff, and um, and she used to call them her. her um, the uh, the residents that don't pay rent, you know, <laughs> yeah. they they they're there. They don't pay no rent. They don't contribute. 
they're just there. So yep. it's, you know, well, some people don't care. Some people don't mind it being in the house. Okay. You know, if they're not doing nothing, leave it alone. Yeah, I agree. Um, it, it, also, I do believe that ghosts will in time find their way to the, to the other side, um, which is to say, if you have a tourism built on ghosts, I kind of feel like that clock's going to run out over time. I mean, I don't know how many, unless it's a location that's just you know, filled with a plethora um, of lingering spirits. Um, eventually, my, from all the different investigators that I've, I've spoken to, it sounds to me like that over time, whether it be a hundred years, 500 years, they, they do, uh, you know, disappear. They, they no longer haunt a location. Um, maybe that's not true. Maybe there are some ghosts that stick around for a thousand plus years. Um, but it seems that there's like a little bit of a limit to how long they linger. Yeah. Well, um, I think some of the spirits, if they want to go on, they want to, I mean, I, like I said, Shanley hotel again, I'm <laughs> saying that again. Um, mm-hmm. the Shanley hotel, the, the hitman Joe, and we had, um, EVPs on, we're asking him why he's still here. And um, it, it was on a spirit box and it said, uh, why are you still here? You know, can you go? Why can't you go on? And it said, heaven. And it's like, what? I said, and so we asked, heaven, what do you mean heaven? You feel that you can't get to heaven because of all the bad things you did? And I said, yeah. He says, yes. You know, so, so maybe the spirit does have some sort of uh, ability to keep itself here. If it feels like it's going to go to hell or I mean, if it believes in heaven and hell, because it was, um, the Shanley hotel was owned by a lot of, uh, it was owned by the Irish, Irish mob at one time. Mm-hmm. And he, um, yeah. And I'm assuming he, maybe he was Catholic. Maybe he felt there was a heaven or a hell, you know, not everybody believes that, but maybe he felt like he was going to go to hell because of all the bad stuff he did. He was, he was a hitman. So, yeah. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for, for joining me today. I appreciate it, man. Oh, this is awesome. This is great. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Yeah. You if know? you could leave us with, uh, with one thought regarding um, the paranormal or anything at all. Oh, uh, I'm going to be this weekend coming. I'm going to be in Rochester, um, the Parafest. I'm going to be there. Oh. It's, yeah, I'm going to be there. I'm, gonna, I'm speaking on Saturday morning between 10 and 11. Anybody in Rochester? Come visit. Um, is it this coming Saturday? Because we're recording on a Monday, and it won't. Mm-hmm. This won't go up until Saturday night. Oh, okay. So come Sunday, Sunday <laughs> morning. Sunday. It's Sunday. <laughs> it's there. For, it's, it's there till like five o'clock. Okay, um, cool. Yeah. So we'll be there. I'll be there with Ryan Lotus and a bunch of other people. So you know, yeah, April good. and my people. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Well, April's also going to be speaking, um, I think, the 22nd uh, at Pine Bush, uh, New York, the yes. uh, Paranormal Museum Gallery uh, Lecture Series, where I'll be April 1st. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do it with a little bit of a different approach. I'm, I'm trying to, to come at this uh, from a more of an existential uh, point of view and try to understand why you and me and all these people are so entrenched um, in these topics and we can't get away and we're, we're pursuing the high strangeness. Um, and also I, I really do believe that there is like a, like a mythical power behind everything that we're doing. And, and in a sense, we're kind of, I feel doing a service to the culture at large, um, you know, by, cause you know, story chasing and story creating, we're, we're living it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we're going out there and living those kind of, you know, mini myths. Um, and whether you believe they're real or not, uh, I still think it's like an essential part of being human just to explore all these strange topics and, and have these discussions. Mm-hmm. What if? Yeah. Yeah. What if it's interesting. And I said, I've been doing a long time. I come across different people. Then it's, it's, they say it's a nice hobby. It's not a hobby. It's a way of life. To me, it's a way of life. I, I, this is what I do. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's everybody I, that as, as dedicated as I am with it. It's mm-hmm. what they do. It's it's in them. It's they're, maybe they're trying to find reasons why they experience things when they're younger. But mm-hmm. 
it becomes like everything you do. I, I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking maybe what next investigation I could do. You know, where can I go? Who am I going to bring? And it's it's a big thing. Or maybe what new piece of paratools equipment <laughs> to buy? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's the you know the spirit of exploration too. I think it's just innate in, in who we are anyway. Um, mm -hmm. Anthony, cheers, brother. Thank yeah, you so go. much. Hey, thank <laughs> you. Thank, thank you. you. All right. And thank you all for hanging out with us for another cup of high strangeness on coffee and UFOs. Um, I will see you, uh, well, hopefully April 1st in Pine Bush, New York at the UFO and Paranormal uh, Museum. If not, I'll see you in the virtual world uh, next week. Peace and love to you all. And in the meantime, live in the mystery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.